Amen. Amen. You guys can all take a seat. Got to gather some stuff, but. How are you guys doing this morning? That's good. I am incredibly excited this morning. If you don't know me, I am the youth pastor here at Gateway. And I am very excited this morning. You know, and I say that probably every time I preach, but it's never not true. I am always super excited to share the word of God with this amazing church. And you know, when, when Darren kind of told us that this is what our summer series was going to be, which is summertime stories, I was immediately excited because I immediately went into the mind of my six-year-old self. I've been like, what Bible stories did I enjoy when I was a little kid? What Bible stories did I enjoy when I was really little? And the first one that popped into my head was the story of Jonah. I love this story. It is an amazing story. And I didn't love it as a six-year-old because it was biblically profound. Those things didn't really matter to me as a six-year-old. But what I loved about the story is that this story is funny. <laughs> this story is ridiculous and at times off the wall crazy. <laughs> like you're reading, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Did that really just happen? It's the story that has so much humor in it and at the end of the day, so much laughter and joy to it. And, but as an adult, it is a funny story still, but also has this profound biblical truth in it. And I just want to jump right into the story of Jonah here in chapter 1, which says this. Now the word of the Lord came, again, came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for the wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarnish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship to Tarnish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarnish, away from the presence of the Lord. So this is what I think is immediately really funny about this story, is that Jonah, instead of going like 500 miles from Joppa to Nineveh, he's like, I'm going to go 2,500 miles to Tarnish, in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. He immediately flees, which immediately paints this interesting image of this main character in the book of Jonah. You know, last week, Darian talked about Gideon. And Gideon is this such likable character. You immediately feel for Gideon. You immediately are like, yeah, I get Gideon. Immediately you're like, I don't like Jonah. <laughs> At least that's my thought. I was like, I don't like him. You're not a very a likable character, <laughs> I guess. But at the end of the day, though, when I look at the story of Jonah, I don't like Jonah. But I also see a lot of myself in Jonah, <laughs> which is always kind of like a, a bummer. <laughs> and especially with this, this beginning part where it talks about Jonah fleeing. I don't know about you, but I relate really well to running away from God. <laughs> That's something I'm like, yeah, I get. I get that. <laughs> and I, I want to share with you guys a little story. You know, I'm the youth pastor here, and it is a dream job. It's the thing that I love most about this place is the youth kids. They are incredible people. They're funny. They're, they have this drive to be better and better themselves all the times. And I love like 99% of the youth kids. 
There's always one, though. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys about this one youth kid that, that I had a real hard time with. I'm not going to say his name, but, you know, when I first started here, like six years ago, before I was an intern, before I was a youth pastor, back in the day when Drake was running the youth ministry, and I was just a leader, and I had this group of kids that were pretty awesome, except for one of them. There's always one. And any older youth leaders, Darian will immediately know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Kim will know immediately who I'm talking about. <laughs> and I remember, ever, like, at youth, we have a set of rules that are there. They're not strict rules. They're kind of just like, hey, this is here to keep you safe, and, or this is here because this is inappropriate to do at a church. And every week that this kid was here, he's like, but what if I do this? What if I do this? What if, what if I get to the roof and jump off of it? <laughs> or what if I find the youngest kid here and just do a slew of curse words? What happens then? And he was constantly pushing what the barriers were, what the rules were. He was constantly testing me. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, he was a big pain in me <laughs> in my butt. And I remember there were weeks, like Thursday night came along, and I had this just dread. I was like, man, should I just call Drake and be like, man, I'm not feeling well. I don't think I'm going to be there. <laughs> there was even some weeks when, when I would, like, after I got home from youth, and, like, just an exhausting night and being like, is this what I really want to do with my life? That question popped on my head because of this kid. I, de I, oft, like, I debated calling Drake and being like, I'm done. This isn't for me. Because of this one kid who was a bit of a pain. I wanted to run. I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to quit. Now, obviously, I didn't because then I wouldn't be here, right? Because <laughs> I'm here for a reason because I, I really believe that this is something that God has called me to. So I'm going to tell you guys a little story within this story of why I didn't. So I remember one night, this kid, he did something particularly bad. I don't exactly remember what it was. But I remember feeling rage and anger in this moment. And I was so fed up. And it was, like, so bad that I had to pull him aside in the middle of the game and take him into the office. Be like, we need to have a chat because I'm mad. <laughs> and I remember I sat him down, and I said something to him that I say all the time to my youth kids now which is this line, which is, man, God has called you to something greater. And I was like, and this is how you act. This is what you're doing with, with your life. You're just being a brat. <laughs> and it was a serious conversation. And I remember feeling rage and anger, but looking at this kid, and he took every word I was saying in. It was the first time I felt like I was hitting ground with him. He was just like, okay, okay. And I was like, it threw me off for a little bit. And I remember I was like, okay, you can go. I'm done here. Like, I, I just need you not to be in front of me right now. And I remember he gets up to leave and he turns around to me and he says something to me. And this thing that he said to me still breaks me. It still shakes me. I remember after he left, after he said this thing, I wept. And he looks to me and he said, you know, Spencer, you're the best family I have. Oh, I broke down. Cause, and it wasn't just because like, that was a really nice thing to say or a really emotional thing to say, but because I was willing to give up on a kid 
that I wasn't a leader to him. I wasn't a friend to him. I was the best family he had. And I was willing to give up on him. You know, and when a lot of like, people ask me why I do what I do, I tell them that story. Because that that's the reason why I do what I do, is to provide these kids a safe place, to provide these kids. And so God, in that moment, you know, me and God had a battle of wills. Right? I had my own personal will, which my will would have been to abandon this kid, leave him behind, and let a different leader have to pick up the slack. But God's will was for me to stick out with this kid, to prove to him that God still loves him, to do all these amazing things. And at the end of the day, I let God's will win. Jonah, he kind of struggles to get there a little bit. <laughs> And this is what the, like this first chapter is really about, is this battle of wills between God and Jonah. So as we continue on, you know, it says, after Jonah get on this boat, it said, The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea with such a mighty storm it came upon the sea that the ship was threatened to break. Then the mariners were afraid, and each of them cried out to their God. They threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. And the captain came down to him and said, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up and call on your God. Perhaps the gods will spare us so that we do not perish. You know, and it doesn't exactly say what Jonah does next. I don't think Jonah cried out to God, because I think Jonah knew why this was happening. Jonah had a complete idea of why this was happening. It's because he fled. Jonah fled, and Jonah has a multiple different opportunities to come out and do the right thing. And he basically never does it, <laughs> which is why Jonah is this very unlikable character. You know, and the next part, it says, in the next verse, it says, the satyrs said to one another, come, let us cast lots. So lots. We're going to talk about what that, what that is. I'm going to grab some dice. <laughs> I like dice. Who likes dice? <laughs> so casting lots was essentially a game of chance to try to see what the will of the gods were. <laughs> Which is really ridiculous. And I'm, I'm very bad at math. Like, I was never good at it. I failed Math 30. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't need math 30, math 30 to become a pastor, so I just didn't retry. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, you can ask Darian. I was in the office on Wednesday, and I was trying to figure out the probability of what the chance of Jonah rolling the lowest number was among the other eight sailors on the boat was. And I have, and I was like, I just, I just give up. So if you're good at probability, and you know the probability of Jonah rolling the lowest die on a D6 out of eight other men, please let me know, because I'm really interested in it. <laughs> but I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> so essentially what would happen is that these men, they had rolled the dice, right? So they'd roll the dice. Okay, I rolled uh, one. I probably caused the calamity, right? But the thing is that among the eight other soldiers, Jonah had to roll the lowest number, and no other men had to roll that number. So obviously, God intervened in this moment to make sure that the men knew that it was Jonah who, made, who caused this problem. But Jonah never, they never really had to cast lots. And to begin with, Jonah could just could have been the better man and been like, hey guys, that's me, I, I caused this. But Jonah never does that. Jonah is like, 
You know what? Maybe it won't land on me, and then maybe we'll all die. Yes, that's better than me following the will of God, is everyone dies. <laughs> A ridiculous story. <laughs> this is why I struggle with Jonah. He said he's not a nice guy. <laughs> so they cast lots so we may know who's, who count the calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and they, they fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us, why has this calamity come upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? They ask him a lot of questions. And he doesn't even answer all of them. He says, I am Hebrew, and I, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This is what I love about Jonah, is that Jonah knew God, right? Jonah was a man of God. He was a prophet, he understood the character of God. He understood everything about God. And he thought getting on a boat, fleeing from the man that created the oceans, that he could get away from the presence of God. <laughs> Again, a ridiculous story. <laughs> but, so Jonah, he says this, Then the men become terrified and said to him, What is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. The other thing that I love about this is that Jonah is constantly trying to cover up his tracks. Because Jonah knew that he did wrong. But he keeps trying to sidestep it. He keeps trying to avoid it. He keeps trying to be like, no, God told me to go save these people that I don't think deserve saving, so I'm just going to keep running. And, you know, in the next passage... A lot of us believe that this is when Jonah kind of gets better, but I don't think it is. <laughs> See, it says this, So then they went to him and said, What shall we do so the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me to the sea, and the sea will quiet down for you. This isn't Jonah's only option. <laughs> but Jonah says it is. And, you know, we have to think, oh, this is Jonah being merciful. Not really. Jonah's saying, hey, for the sea to quiet down, you're going to throw me into the ocean so I can die. So I need you to murder me. What? <laughs> Jonah's this ridiculous character who's asking these people, hey, I, I need you to commit a sin so I can keep living in my sin. Which is very interesting. And, again, this also shows how good the men were. So it says, For I know it is this great storm that has come upon you. Nevertheless, the man rode hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. See, these men who weren't, like, didn't know God, they didn't know Yahweh, they were actually pagan men who worshipped other gods. They weren't willing to let him die. So said so they rode hard to get back to land. And this could have been easily fixed if Jonah just would have prayed to God and been like, hey God, I'm sorry. Hey God, I messed up. This, I, I truly believe that the storm would have been silenced if Jonah just would have repented. If Jonah just said, you know what God, I'm sorry, I have some obviously issues with these people that you told me to save. I am sorry as soon as we hit land, I will head back to Nineveh. 
That would have been a really easy solution. But Jonah's like, no, throw me into the ocean, and then maybe I can die so I don't need to save these people. Jonah, again, hiding, declaring that his will is greater than God's. Declaring that Jonah knows better than God. You know, but as the story continues, you know, this is the part that we know best. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on the account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it has pleased you. So Jonah, a man of God, not willing to repent, witnesses pagans repenting, and his heart is still not stirred. So they picked up Jonah, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging, and the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And then the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. This story is silly, right? This is a silly story. But again, it shares a powerful biblical truth. It's that we cannot run God. I cannot run the will of God. And that I know I'm not perfect in my life. I make mistakes. I often put my will in front of God's. Often put even others' people's wills in front of God, like my wife or my family, and think that they know better. And this is, this is the thing I often need to give myself a shake, just like I, when I read the story, I want to give Jonah a shake, and I want to slap Jonah and be like, what are you doing? But this is where the story is interesting, because we read the story, and we can often put ourselves in the shoes of Jonah and understand where Jonah's coming from. Because we make these mistakes, we often think that we know better. And yeah, I like to think that I've accumulated a certain amount of wisdom in my 29 years of existence. <laughs> but the fact that I think I know better than the creator, than the man that created the seas and the land, I need to give myself a shake. <laughs> and, how, like, and I think we do this more often than we think. And sometimes it's not as big as running away from what God has called you to do, but maybe it's just a simple act. Because I know there's been multiple times when God has said, hey, you have $5 in your pocket, which I rarely have, and there's a homeless person right there. You should go give it to him. How often do I start arguing with God and being like, but God, no, they'll spend it on this. God's like, how do you know? Do I, does God not know better than we do? You know, one of my favorite verses of all time is Romans 12, verses 2, which says, Do not be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you will know what is God's will. Perfect will. I may not understand God's will all times, and I don't have to, but I need to know that it's better than what I think. I need to know that's better than what I do. Because what I do is I flee, I run, I act like Jonah. I say, no God, I know better than you do, so I will flee to tarnish away from you. So that I don't have to do this will. I would rather be dying in the sea than do what you're asking of me. Because that's what Jonah is trying to do here. And then God provides a fish to swallow him up. 
And yet Jonah still does not repent. Jonah still does not admit his wrong. Even in chapter 2, when it talks about Jonah in the belly of the fish and he's giving this prayer to God, he never actually says sorry. He begrudgingly says, if you let me live, God, I'll, I'll bargain with you. If you let me live, God, then I will do what you ask. This bargaining, bargaining with God, instead of just admitting, God, you were right, I was wrong, I'll do what you ask. I, as much as I read the story and I see myself in Jonah, this unlikable character, I feel challenged by it. Not because Jonah is a good character, but to be like, how can I not be like Jonah? How can I read this story and be like, how can I be better? God, how can I listen to you when you challenge me? How can I listen to you when you tell me? How can I make sure that I don't give up on a child that needs me? And that's the thing, is that God knows better for you than you do and knows better for others than you do. You may have, and often we have these notations and these things that we put on other people to say, this is what they'll do with this if I help them. But God is challenging us saying, but what if you just helped them without any notions of what you think they'll do with that help? Isn't it better to help the needy, the unwanted, in, in Jonah's case, the evil? Because he considered Nineveh a very evil place. Isn't it better to help those and show them the love of Christ than to not? That is this challenge to let God's will trump our own and to help those who need helping. No matter who they are. No matter what they've done. Just to listen to what God says. Because what he says trumps all. Because he knows better than me. Yeah, I may be 29 years old and I may think I have some wisdom there. But a God that's been around forever, for all of eternity, for a number that I can't even comprehend, I think he knows better than me. At least I hope he does. <laughs> Just kidding, I know he does. <laughs> so that's the challenge today. It's to actually listen to what God is saying. Not what others are saying, not what you think you're saying, but what God is saying. Because he knows better than you. Yeah, I'm going to say it. He knows better than you. <laughs> he knows better than me. He knows better than everyone. He knows better than our political overlords. He knows better, <laughs> he knows better than anybody. <laughs> so we should listen to him. Dear God, I just thank you so much for your will. I thank you so much that you know better than me. And God, I just pray that we learn to listen to that voice. That we learn to listen to your will over our own. Forgot to invite the band up. That's my bad. <laughs> and I just pray, God, that we will learn from you. And that we will learn from Jonah not to act like him, but to be better than him. That we will learn what it means to listen to your will, to listen to you, not to run 2,500 miles in the opposite direction, but just to hear from you and take that in. And that 
when we listen to you, that we will bless people. And yeah, sometimes we'll never see that blessing come to fruition. But sometimes we will, and that will be amazing. So God, I just pray that we hear this, and that we know this to be your truth, not our own, and that we follow your will. Pray this in your holy, holy name. Amen. Let's worship today.